Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Christmas Eve service. I'm so excited that you're able to join us tonight. Many of you are visiting or here for the first, second time. Uh, others who are part of our church, this might be your first Christmas Eve service with us since we launched our Jerseyville campus. And I am so excited for everything the Lord is doing and everything that he has planned for us going in to this next season. Let me say to those of you who are new, who are joining us, or who are visiting, I believe with all of my heart that you are here tonight by God's design, that it is not an accident or a coincidence, for we serve a God of divine design, and he knew exactly where you would be at this precise moment. As we listen to our Christmas message this evening, I want to encourage you to just open your heart, prepare it to receive whatever it is that God might want to do. I believe he has a special blessing in store for you this evening if you will be ready to receive it. As we get into our Christmas story, there are a couple of things that I think about with this message as we approach this time each year. Number one, I've always viewed the Christmas story as a rescue mission. The Son of God come to the earth in the form of flesh to rescue and save mankind from his sins. What an awesome story, a rescue mission. The God from the throne of heaven, who was at the highest place exalted above all things, chose to come down to the earth, take on the form of human flesh, so that he could rescue us from our sin and actually lead us back into relationship with himself. <laughs> that is an unbelievable story. And I also think it's more than just a story. Sometimes we have a tendency to approach these types of uh, points in our year and pass by them as if it's repetitive or we've heard that before. But man, let me just encourage you not to make that mistake. This is more than a story. The idea of the Son of God coming to the earth to rescue us and lead us back into relationship with Him, it is the greatest accomplishment or act that's ever been performed in all of the history of the world. So let's dive in. Let's begin by reading from the Gospel of Matthew tonight. We know that the Christmas story comes to us in the passages in Matthew, but also in the Gospel of Luke. There are some different vantage points from each of them. Matthew helps us to see the perspective from the wise men and the appearance of the angel to Joseph, while Luke helps us to see from the perspective of the shepherds in the wilderness and the appearance of the angel to Mary. And we're going to talk about a little bit of all of that tonight. But let's read from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow. Can I just ask you to think about something for a moment? This child, this baby that our whole story focuses around. You know, when Katie and I have had all of our kids and been in the hospital, I know as a parent that that moment, it's so exhilarating. It's so celebratory that you kind of have a tendency to feel like in those moments that the whole world is paying attention to what's going on with the arrival of your child. For you, it is the most important thing that's happening right then. Uh, but it feels sometimes like everyone else is paying attention to what's going on as well. It's the heart of a proud mother or father. And in this story, we see everything revolving around a baby. And this baby is a child that the whole world begins to take attention to. The whole world begins to take notice and to pursue. We see people coming from afar and all over the region headed to wherever this child is at. I think that speaks a lot to the posture or the position that God asks us to be in, which is we are always pursuing wherever Jesus is at and whatever Jesus is doing. That that's our motive and our desire. What is God up to at this season in your life? What is God up to right now on the earth? And am I hooked in with that? Am I pursuing that? Am I leaning into that? I also want to bring your attention to the fact that there are heightened levels of spiritual activity going on in the atmosphere. There are uh, lots of angelic appearances that are happening. Now, angels have appeared to people throughout all of Scripture, uh, but there are lots of them happening in a very condensed time frame. We know Mary was visited by the angel. We know that Joseph was visited multiple times by an angel throughout a period of just a couple of years about the child and about how it was safe to bring him back to the area of Israel after Herod was gone. So there were multiple angelic appearances happening there. But we also know that an angel appeared to shepherds in the wilderness. And while the angel was telling them about what was going on, there was a heavenly host, multitudes of angels that were crying out in the heavens, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. <laughs> so there's an explosion, if you will, of angelic appearances and spiritual activity. And when God is up to something big in our lives, if we will be discerning and spiritually intuitive, I believe that we will recognize this as well, that there are things that are increasing and happening around us that we could take notice of, that will encourage us that God is up to something good and he has a plan for each and every one of our lives. We know that the wise men that came from the east 
it says they followed a star all the way to Bethlehem. Now, astrologers say that this is scientifically impossible. A star in the sky that would move and travel to actually lead people to a destination. But as the angel said to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. So when God's up to something in our lives or he is on a mission with purpose of where he wants to lead us to bring glory to himself, there is no, no thing that is impossible for God to do in order to accomplish his work in and through us in our lives. And that ought to encourage you, it encourages me, to believe for the supernatural things that God would do in order to accomplish the things he wants to accomplish. Things that are impossible for us, but are possible with God. Things we can't do on our own, but in our faith, believing for a God whose power is with us to see things come to pass that are miraculous. We serve a miraculous God. So everyone is chasing this child, moving towards this child to the city of Bethlehem, which the prophet Micah declared some centuries ago that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in the city of Bethlehem. Time does not permit me to explain all of the ancient prophecies that just the arrival of this child fulfilled. But it was precise, and God was accomplishing much of his spoken word that had anticipated for centuries and centuries. We move on, and we see that the way Jesus arrives, the Son of God, we're in the Christmas season, so let's say the, the way the gift or the package arrives. Uh, interestingly enough, and I think very fitting to the ways of God and how he operates, the way Jesus arrived was in a very humble sense. Many missed the coming of the Messiah because they expected grandeur. They expected uh, a throne of a political type, of a military type, and yet our Savior, our King, He arrives by very, very humble means. We take a look at Mary, first of all. We see that she is a virgin, and she is what experts say maybe 14 years old, just a young teenager. She's not well-known in society or in the community, not a woman of stature, yet she has been chosen to be blessed and highly favored by God to bring forth the Lord's, uh, to bring forth God's son. So Mary herself was uh, of humble means, yet in that level of humility, she was granted great favor by God. I think this speaks to how when we have an attitude and a heart of humility, it positions us for God to actually exalt us to greater places than we can ever do on our own. We also look to Joseph, who was a carpenter. Again, very humble stature in society, not some well-known political figure or influential figure in the high stratas of the day, but Joseph was a carpenter, yet he was a hard worker, and he was a good man. We see Bethlehem, the actual city itself, which the word Bethlehem means house of bread, uh, not a major uh, capital, not a city of huge trade and enterprise, uh, but just a humble place and a humble location. And then we move on to the idea that our King, our Lord, was born 
in a manger because there was no room in the inn. It says that he was in a location where he was basically sleeping with animals. Now, I've slept in some pretty crazy places before, but I got to tell you, I've never shared a bed with animals before. <laughs> I believe that this really shows us how the ways of God are sometimes foolishness to men, but they are the wisdom of God's ways, that by humble means, God can actually do incredible things. And then we look at everything that comes forth through this child. We know that the conception itself was miraculous, that Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Never before in human history has this ever happened, nor ever since. It was a miraculous conception, and this was the Son of God. We know the Bible says that he came forth and established an everlasting throne, the throne of David, an eternal empire that will reign forever. I think about all the empires of the earth that have risen and fallen and crumbled over time, yet there is an empire, there is a kingdom, there is a reign whose king is upon a throne that will last for all of eternity. This is the child that's coming forth. He's called the savior of our sins. He is called the king of the Jews. He is a light to the Gentiles. Not only has he come for the people of Israel, but he paved the way to actually be a light to the rest of the world as well, that we might all know the salvation that was being freely offered by Jesus Christ. He is our source of joy, and he is our Prince of Peace. In fact, the glory of the Lord was essentially coming down and resting over the land in a way that had never been seen before. And I believe that that speaks to just how God was bringing a new level of joy, a new level of peace, because the things, the condition of things was about ready to change. He was being introduced now as Emmanuel, which is God with us, the person of the Holy Spirit who would have relationship with us in our lives as we would come to know our Savior Jesus Christ. This kind of joy, this kind of peace is now not something external, but it's something that we can live with and know every single day as the Spirit of Christ reigns and lives inside of our heart. Jesus was the greatest gift that has ever been offered to mankind. And we know that in the Gospel of John, it says that God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Jesus was a gift from the Father to us, and it was the most precious and the greatest gift that could ever be offered. And so my question to you tonight as we begin to close is, have you received that gift? Look, just like any gift, it can be put together and presented, offered. In fact, there can be immeasurable value within that gift. But if I or you do not choose to receive it, do not choose to take and, and welcome in the benefits and the value of that gift into our lives, then we can miss everything that it's meant to afford us. I don't know if you've had delivery drivers coming to your house with packages this month. We certainly have. And every now and then you'll have an arrival where the delivery driver requires a signature, an authorization. 
you have to, in person, willfully accept the package that's being delivered to you. You don't sign off on it. You don't choose to receive it. Then that value is not going to be left with you. I think that this gift of Jesus to mankind is much like that. It's a free gift offered by God's grace. He came for all of mankind. But the reality is, is the value and the benefits of eternity, of salvation, of peace, of joy, all the things this wonderful child, the Son of God, is meant to bring us that can only be experienced and enjoyed in our lives if we make a decision to choose to receive that. And so that's my question for you tonight. Have you accepted the free gift of grace? Have you put your faith and trust entirely in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he was the son of God? Not just any child, not just any story, but he was the son of God sent to the earth to suffer and die for your sins and for mine so that we could be saved, so that we could know the God of the universe as Emmanuel, God with us, living in our hearts and in our lives to have a personal relationship and friendship with Jesus Christ. It's the greatest treasure, and it's the greatest gift that I've ever received. And I want to invite you tonight to accept that free gift, to know there's nothing you can do to earn it, but you do have to choose to receive it. And so as we close out tonight's services, I want to invite you to say this prayer in your heart if you are ready to give your life to Christ, if you're ready to receive that free gift of grace. You say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus in the form of human flesh to live a sinless life, to suffer and die on the cross for me so that I could be saved. His blood was shed to remove my sin and to bring me back into relationship with you. I put my faith and trust entirely in that tonight and I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit that you would lead me and guide me through this world to become all that you've created me to be, that you would empower me with purpose and destiny and that you would help me to make an impact here in this world for you. My life is yours and not my own. Do with me as you choose. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to announce to you that if you meant business with God, you said that prayer in your heart, according to the Bible, you are saved. You have the assurance of knowing that you're going to be in heaven with God for all of eternity. But you have a purpose. You have a destiny. God has something special for you to do in your life to make an impact for him while you're here. And I just want to encourage you to go after that, pursue that with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, for the Lord is good and he has offered us great things. God bless you all. Have a wonderful night.